Last Sunday we spent some time in Romans chapter 1. Today we're going to look at some verses in chapter 2, Principles of God's Judgment. Last week we were looking at the gospel of God, the righteousness and the wrath of God. Uh, Unique among the various epistles in the New Testament is this factor about the book of Romans. It's a book about God. 150-something times God is referred to in this epistle. So there's a unique emphasis there. And so this morning we're going to look at principles of God's judgment. Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon our minds and hearts that we would hear the word of the Lord. And for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess if you're like me, you've passed by the Gallatin Courthouse many, many, many times without a thought as to who's on trial, what is their alleged crime, who the judge is, and what the sentence will be. Why would I be so thoughtless about that? Because I'm not a participant. <laughs> It's not me on trial. I'm not facing judgment. I have no summons to appear. And that's fine. It's a good thing to be able to stay clear from the courthouse uh, or to go by there and enjoy it and you don't have a summons in your hand. But there is a concern about the judgment of God. Uh, there really is a need to have a focus upon God's judgment. So let's first of all go over to Peter, another epistle in the New Testament toward the end, because we typically think... uh, Well, praise the Lord, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about judgment. It depends on what angle of judgment you're looking at. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began with us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said on chapter 17, verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, I try the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways. Jesus speaking in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come. And then, and, shall his, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, again, when you get into last days, end of time judgment, there are differences of opinions. Some think that there will be one general judgment, and there will be a great separation to those on the left, uh, everlasting punishment, to those on the right, eternal life. This 
is set forth, for example, in Matthew 25, 31 through 33. Many others believe that there will be separate judgments, a judgment for true Christians, uh, famously known as the judgment seat of Christ, and that concept comes from later passages in Romans. And then at a later time, the judgment for the lost, the great white throne judgment. Well, figuring all that out is not the emphasis in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, there are various principles of how God judges. And that's what's set before here. For example, uh, I think most everyone would agree when you look at chapter 1, we looked at portions of it last week, and called attention to the judgment of God of turning people over, turning people over, uh, letting them go. And, uh, but so then the emphasis and the focus seems to be in chapter 2. Many of the people uh, in Rome would have come from uh, a Jewish background and or that there were simply those who would receive this letter uh, who are not even professing Christians. But, as is always the case, the world is filled with people who are confident in their own righteousnesses. And so in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, we could summarize that by saying, don't point your finger at someone else's sin. You've also sinned. I received information this week from someone who has been out of shape telling me about someone that I don't really know that at some point in their history they had married an unbeliever and how wrong that was and how that they had um, banished them because they had uh, approached that person. On I don't know any details about that. I don't even know these people. Why are they sending this to me? I don't know. But it's easy to get worked up about somebody else and fail to remember, well, I'm going to leave them with God and I'm going to let the Spirit of God convict me. Now, in chapter 2, verse 2, if you look at that verse, the emphasis is on the fact that God's judgment is according to truth, not innuendo, not suppositions, not speculations, but truth. And in verse 3 of chapter 2, there is the reality that there is no escape from the judgment of God. Uh, sometimes we feel like we've escaped. We read all the time about people who maybe are arrested. Oh, they committed a capital crime 30 years ago, and they finally were caught. And so if God, in his mercy delays uh, confrontation don't for a moment think that God is forgetful or that God is inconsistent in what he does um, there is no escape from the righteous judgment of God and then there's warning in verses 4 and 5 about despising the goodness and kindnesses of God and that when we do that, we invite an increasing experience of wrath. 
I want to go on to verse 6 through 10 because here is something that on the surface seems a little bit puzzling. It seems to indicate, or it does state that judgment will be according to works. Uh, So let's read those verses. They were read earlier. Romans chapter 2 beginning with verse 6. And so he's going to render to everyone according to their need, according to their deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So let's make sure we understand that while judgment is based on works salvation is not this passage he's not talking about salvation how to be saved he's talking about how God judges and keep in mind that the whole section of Romans 1 verse 18 all the way through chapter 3 verse 20 the Holy Spirit gives us this through the Apostle Paul Not to show at that point the way of salvation, but he is demonstrating that every person is a sinner. The Gentiles are sinners, could be the emphasis of chapter 1. All the Jews are sinners. Oh, what a shock that would be. Uh, All the Baptists are sinners. That's even more shocking, isn't it? Well, and so he unfolds how God judges in these verses not the way of salvation which comes later now there are those there are plenty plenty of people today who teach that good works earn us merit have you been to a funeral if you've been to many funerals in the south well I know that they're in heaven and here's a long list of all the things they did Well, hopefully they are in heaven. But a long list of the things you did is not how you get to heaven. Many people have a salvation that is grace plus some sort of work, some sort of ritual. But salvation, as being taught in the scriptures and what is being set forth here in chapter 2, verse 6 through 10 is not secured by rituals, by right denomination, none of that. Uh, But also, there is no hope for the person who sits outside, maybe sitting at a restaurant right now, and thinking good of themselves and bad about those of us who are inside a church building, who would say, "I'm, I'm basically a good person. I provide well, I don't hurt anybody, Um, I'm honest. Uh, Well, 
the conclusion that the Holy Spirit sets forth in this section. Romans 1, 18 through Romans 3, 20 can be summarized, if you look at it, in chapter 3, verse 10 through 20. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way, they're all altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. He's including all the Gentiles, all of the Jews, the whole human race. Their throat is an open sepulcher, their tongues they have used deceit. Poison is under their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, the way of peace they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. So, salvation is not secured by the works of the law, by rituals, by human goodness. You say, but could we just go on a little side journey here? I know he's used the word none and all of that, but uh, when it comes to the human race, uh, God knows everything. And God knows when you give the gospel to people, he knows the ones that are going to believe. Now, you can't fool God. You can't give God some information that he didn't have. Uh, God is all-knowing. But the question is, when God looks down through time... Does he see, well, I know that this one will believe, and this one will believe, and this one will believe, and therefore, I'll choose them. Is that what God finds? Well, I heard that so much, I decided uh, some time ago to just Google. Or find out what God knows. Well, even Google took me to the scripture. Imagine that. For example, it took me and showed me Psalm chapter 14, where it specifically says, God looked down from heaven. Chapter 14, verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that understood and seek God. They are all gone astray. They are all altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Agrees with the Apostle Paul. Imagine that. Well, the Holy Spirit set forth all of it, so no surprise. Well, when you're reading through the Psalms, you know, sometimes you miss something. So God repeated himself. Over in Psalm 53, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt they are. They have done abominable iniquity. And there is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any 
that did understand and that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back and are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The scripture is very plain about that. Well, so what do the scriptures teach us? No one can be saved by good works, by good deeds. Salvation is not because God looked down through time and found some are better than others. There are some things that I have not committed that others have committed and all the rest. But the scripture is that we, we are wicked. Our hearts are wicked and deceitful and who can know it? What is the difference between any of us and uh, Saddam Hussein or Hitler or Gerd Dahmer who cut up body parts and put them in the refrigerator? And there are people who've done some so horrendous things. But stand them up here and stand us beside these people. What's the difference? Uh, Romans three twenty two and twenty three. If you read the Start verse 23 with the last phrase of 22. The last phrase of 23, Romans 3, 22b. There is no difference, for we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, but there's another related problem here. There are multitudes who say, yes, salvation is a faith. Just believe and you're in. Translated, do you believe in Jesus? Sure, you're saved. Are you a Baptist who believes in Jesus? Uh, you're surely saved. If you're a Baptist who believes in Jesus, once saved and always saved, you're doubly saved. Doesn't matter how you live. You have a profession. Well, since salvation is of the Lord... Let's go to the scripture and very clear statement and we, we've used it very, very many times here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we walk in them. God's salvation is the result of the amazing work of God and life in Christ produces a lifestyle and a destiny. Now, going back to the passage that we're actually looking at in Romans chapter 2. Uh, here's a description in verse 7 and 10 of man's natural state of death and lostness, where all men stay until or unless they believe savingly upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the on the day of judgment, the work of those, the works of those who shall be condemned, their works are the evidence 
of their being lost sinners. The works of the believers that are described in those verses in chapter 2 are not the cause of salvation, but are the evidence of salvation. Jesus put it very plainly in John 10, 27-28, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I'll give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Now in verse 11, there's a principle of judgment that judgment is without respect of persons. There are many things down here that give favor and advantage. Looks, wealth, social standing, education, racial background, giftedness. And then you have the people who are making the judgments. They can be lenient, they can be biased, they can be prejudiced, they can be harsh. But God looks down from heaven and sees people equally lost. And so many people in their distaste for the fact that God would dare to choose his bride, they will twist and say something that scares the living daylights out of me. They accuse God of arbitrarily, for no rhyme or reason, choosing this one and that one and sending the rest of them to hell. I would be very much afraid to talk like that about God. Ephesians chapter 1 is very plain about what goes on. He chooses according to his good pleasure. We may not understand it. But God never does anything arbitrarily. That is a slander of the character of God. God does things that are according to his good pleasure. And he's always just and he's always righteous. And he is always uh, holy in all the things that he does. Now, in verses 12 through 15, we have more Statements here that uh, sometimes uh, confuse us a little bit. So look at chapter 2, verse 12 in Romans, and we're going to start at the end of the verse, part B of chapter 12. I'll read the whole thing, but so, for as many as have sinned without the law, these shall perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. We're talking about how God judges. And so here, here's a statement, an additional statement about how God judges. Now, <clears throat> we get the, the second part. For as many as have sinned in the law, these shall be judged by the law. Uh, I know the law. I've heard the law. I've sinned against the law. I have to face up to my guilt and my penalty. You say, but the first part, chapter 2, verse 12, part A, 
as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Earlier in my life, I heard a lot of fantastical explanations of that. Uh, Even to, to the point of people saying, well, people who've never heard of Christ, it would not be fair for them to ever face the judgment of hell because they've never heard of Christ. And so God will do something at a later time, which he's not fully unfolded for us, but he will give people a chance at a later time. There's no scripture that teaches that, but that's what was set forth. So, what about the heathen? (laughs) And anymore, they don't have to be overseas, they can be right here in America. It's astounding. I've heard reports of people growing up in America who have never heard of Jesus. They don't, they've never heard of Jesus. They don't have the law of God. They've never heard the gospel of Jesus. So, are they lost? Why are they lost? Will they be in hell when they never believed on Jesus of whom they have never heard? This is a serious question. Now, let's go back and put Romans chapter 1 and 2 together. It reveals two important facts about all people. Those who've heard and those who've never heard. In Romans 1, verse 18 through 23, the whole world is already under the wrath of God and deserving hell, whether they've heard about Jesus or not. Jesus came into a world that was already condemned under just judgment. Every person was already people who had received revelation from God rejected revelation from God, and were already under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is no dark spot on the character of God, not even for those who have never heard the name of Jesus. Before Jesus ever came, the whole human race had justly earned the wages of sin and were under his wrath. That's as biblical as it can be. Now, another fact, God has placed in Romans 2, 12, as we're looking at that, and also in verse 15, God has placed not the Ten Commandments, but God has placed the work of the law in every heart. You can go anywhere in the world, a people who've never heard of Jesus, who've never heard of the Ten Commandments, and they have a conscience. They have a sense of right and wrong. It's true in every culture. They have guilt. They have debates among themselves about what is right and wrong. They've all sinned against their conscience. They've all sinned against the law that's written in their heart. And so the bottom line is this. The Jew in Paul's day, with the law, having the law, boasting in the law, had sinned. 
come short of the standard. He's guilty. God, the, the law judges him. The Gentile, not having the Ten Commandments, nor the first five books of the Old Testament, they'd sinned. They had, as chapter 1 talks about, they had pressed down the evidence. They refused to obey the work of the law. Same is true today. People have rejected the revelation of God to all men. Looking there in verse 18 and following, he states it very plainly. So if sinned against the law that God has written in our hearts, we're under the wrath of God, or the whole human race is under the wrath of God, So, in such a setting as this, where all have sinned and deserved hell, here's what's missing in most people's thinking. Since the whole human race has sinned and is under the just and holy judgment of God, and if God does nothing, they all get what the fallen angels get. Justice. If God in his grace and mercy saves a a numberless multitude, isn't that amazing? See, if we don't take the whole thing together, most people have the idea that God deserves to give them salvation. I'm I'm not bad. I'm not a real bad person. I I think I'm going to heaven. I I don't know why God would not like me. Why he would not want me in his presence. Why he would not receive me. I'm good. And so the theology is, all you have to do to get to heaven is die. And if you've been to many funerals, preachers preach that all the time. They don't put it in that terminology. But that's the essence of it. And so, God in his mercy... A set into motion in a part, there's a great unveiling of this in Romans, of the way of salvation. Here we're talking about judgment. Of those who, when all is said and done, are not saved. Some of these have heard the name of Jesus, some have not. But they in this world, they end their life in this world, Lost. So, does the Bible ever say that God predestined them to be lost? No. The Bible never uses that term in speaking of lost people. You say, well, I know some great theologians who do talk in terms of double predestination. They're wrong. If you're going to take the Bible, if you're going to, well, reasonably and, and just uh, rationally and uh, forget that. The Bible only speaks of predestination as family truth, as something that is precious to those who are in Christ. You know, we have scenes in the Bible and especially scenes in the book of Revelation when God begins to turn up the burners on judgment 
Do we find any of these people saying, Oh Lord God, please save me. I want to be saved. I want to worship you. Not a single one. They turn up their cursing and their anger toward God. The Bible is actually true. We read it in Psalms. We read it in in Romans and in other places. There is none righteous. No, not one. There's none that seeks after God. Well, I know some people who are seeking God. There are a lot of people who seek blessings that they'd like to have from God. But they have no interest in bowing the knee. And submitting to God. And worshiping God. And loving God. So, no one is seeking God. The Bible never speaks of the lost as being predestined to hell. Here's the reality. With or without the law, all have sinned. And all who die in their sin, which they love, they will receive justice. Just to make sure that we're not confused about this, the Bible gives us what we could call the roll call of hell. And it doesn't put the blame on God. If you're turning your Bibles over to Revelation chapter uh, 21.8, people like to try to put a bad taste uh, or bad flavor about God. If you want to take the Bible as your cue, in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, But the fearful, now he's been talking uh, earlier, I'm Alpha and Omega, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of life, water of life, freely. He that cometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my my son. But the fearful... Notice it doesn't say those who God did not predestine. No. The fearful, uh, the unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. If people are in hell, why are they there? Because of their sin, for which they're responsible. If you ever wind up in hell, you won't be able to blame God, nor any other human. You only have to look in the mirror. I'm here because of my sin that I held on to, that I Insisted on keeping. I would not repent. I would not believe. Well, how on earth is it then that such sinners like you and I, many of you here, maybe most of you, how did you ever find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Don't slander God. God did not work arbitrarily 
God has not told us all of the deep secrets, but he has told us something profoundly sufficient and astounding according to God's good pleasure. Go home and read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through about verse 13. All these glorious things. He's telling these new Christians, here's, here's what I've done for you and here's who you are. Now that you're a Christian and you are chosen before the foundation of the world and it was all according to God's good pleasure. But if you're here this morning in this building and this morning you have to admit that at this present moment you're lost. You've never come to faith in Christ. I have a question for you. Why has God so highly favored you? You can't say you've never heard the name of Jesus. You can't say that God has not revealed himself to you in creation. You can't say that God has not written his law in your heart. You have Bibles. Sunday school, gospel preaching, tracts, books, you name it. Woe unto you if you despise your gospel blessings and refuse to repent, refuse to believe, refuse to confess Christ. Flee to Christ. Flee to him. There's salvation in no other. Judgment is coming. Judgment is already here. You are a recipient of God's mercy or else you'd already be in hell. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not good enough to be a preacher. It's not good enough to be a Baptist. None of those things. The call is to come to Christ as a repenting sinner, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him. And as we've seen from some of these principles in Romans chapter 2, there are issues that relate to the judgment of God that relate to believers. What we sow, we reap. God, when you become a Christian, God, well, you don't have to worry about sowing and reaping. Uh, that's for the lost. Oh, no. If you sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap to the Spirit. The judgment of God is something we need to be concerned Not the eternal wrath of God. You've been set free from that. That's obviously nothing to sneeze at. But if you're resting on your laurels because you say, well, I'm, I'm free from the eternal wrath of God, and so I'm not going to worry about anything. I'll just go and live like I want to. If I want to maintain a wicked spirit, an evil spirit, an unforgiving spirit, I'll do it. Because I'm saved. And nothing can undo that. And I'll come to the Lord's table, and I'll, doesn't matter how I've lived, have you not read 
Some are weak, some sick, some died. Judgment is something that every human being has to deal with. Saved or lost. Different applications, but absolutely serious for every one of us. And again, it reminds us if you're here without Christ, you're under the judgment of God, and the only hope is the gospel. There is no other way under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. Save the name of Jesus. Our Father, we thank you and praise you for the, the awesome truths here in this chapter, the clarity of how you judge the seriousness of it and the glory the great glory of your mercies your patience your kindness help us not to disregard those lest wrath is increased Work in our hearts according to your spirit as we sing together. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.